0: Alrighty. um I'll do an intro later but uh so um so Noah I have Noah winter with me once more Noah how you doing
1: good I feel lucky to be back a third
0: time <laughs> uh-huh. and your last time
1: I expected as much that's okay <laughs> I knew I knew the luck would only last so long
0: <laughs> dude um, I, I wanted I went oh I was like frozen big time on that um uh oh wait the audio people can't hear us but so i i'm just i'm just gonna start talking just start over (laughs) yeah let me just start over hey guys uh no hey guess what guess what i did uh yesterday what no i want you to guess at least 50 times (laughs) i want to stretch out the podcast as much as i can no i started lawrence of arabia
1: emphasis on star because i'm pretty sure it's impossible to finish it in one city dude
0: oh my gosh like i really tried i just couldn't um yeah i get i watched two hours of it and it's a four-hour film so i had two hours left and i was like i can't i get too much stuff to do
1: (laughs) go ahead please i was gonna say i was
0: really enjoying it it's just a very dense very um What's the word I'm looking for? It's almost kind of like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Like
1: that's a, that's a really good comparison. I'd say, yeah.
0: It really, it does those wide shots and you're just like, mm-hmm. okay, they're gonna cut now. Okay, they're gonna cut would- now. And then five minutes past, they're still in the same shot. You're yeah. like, okay, they're not cutting never.
1: Would it, would you say that it almost felt to you like you were watching a scripted documentary? Very much so, yes. Yeah. Like somehow they literally made it so realistic that it almost got to the point where you really feel like you're living through this with them. And you're also living through all the kind of slow parts in between the cool parts. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, You are there for every step they take across the room.
0: <laughs> dude. Yes, you really are. Like, I'm so glad I started it because yesterday here in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, uh, we got some tornado warnings. So I was like, well, if I'm going to die, I need to at least watch a great classic <laughs> film. And it was either Lawrence of Arabia or Gone with the Wind. And I'm going to be honest with you. I know Gone, Gone with the Wind is like considered like one of like the greatest films of all time. I won a bunch of awesome yeah. But there's something inside of me that just does not want to like watch it. I own it. I'm looking right at it. <laughs> I think it moved when I just said that. But I have like no desire to watch that film at all. But um, I'm going to eventually. But I was like Lawrence of Arabia time. I'm yeah. going to watch the whole thing in one sitting. And then two hours passed. And I was like, nope, I'm going to take a nap instead.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like they really wanted you to feel probably what those actual people felt like in real life, walking across the desert with no idea what they were doing there. <laughs>
0: it's such a beautiful film. And I cannot even, it's, I don't even want to imagine how hot it was filming. I, that.
1: Absolutely. it is. That's the thing, like, it's so huge and so beautiful that, like, you don't feel like you're watching a film. You feel like you're just kind of living through someone's life, which means, you know, even if you're, like, looking at a site like that in real life, eventually, you know, you look at something else, <laughs> like or, like, you kind of look at something different. I look at that film. It's just,
0: like, they want you to experience
1: everything yes. for yes. the full time that they can make you experience it for
0: you're absolutely right like um, I, man I wish I had time to watch it tonight but I promise you I'll finish it the next time we do one of these things um, it's almost like Kubrick loves to do that like with the stuff like I said 2001 like he also kind of does that a lot in Barry Lyndon where he really lets you soak up the environment and like you really do feel like you're there in that time period
1: um,
0: mm-hmm. at least for you know the certain runtime it's not like you know you have to be checked into a mental hospital because after like, <laughs> all right, uh, yeah i'm in <laughs> i'm in the 1800s now or i or uh whatever lawrence or Raven, but i really enjoy it i love it also spoiler alert if you haven't seen this film that was shot came out in the early 60s i love the way they opened it with the death of t.e lawrence uh by the way that's not really a spoiler like t.e lawrence but like, people should know he's dead by now but i love <laughs> i love how they open with that thank you how, thank you for
1: terrifying.
0: so like I was just blown away that that's how he died. I was just like, wait, he just died in some like random motorcycle accident that like yeah. any other, like, if you put Tom Cruise in that incident, like he's surviving that, like in any other mm-hmm. movie. So I just love how like, you're just like, yeah, he died in this way. And you know, this is how the story begins. I thought that was a really unique way to uh, approach the film. But moving past Lawrence of Arabia, I know you had some questions or is there, are there, is there anything that you watched this week that you want to share about before you get into those questions?
1: But well, actually the questions related into something that, that I had watched and funny enough, the thing I had watched also relates to sort of this, like larger than life figure like Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a person who's living right now and it, kind of larger than life just in terms of what they do.
0: Oh, is it me? Uh, you watched my movie?
1: <laughs> so it is you. And that's why obviously I want to ask you, <laughs> but no, to be fair, the, there's the person I want to, Mention and then it ties into questions kind of about your story and things you've told me about your sort of journey so I guess this will be a little bit of story time exchange well, I <laughs> um, love
0: talking about myself listeners so this is going to be amazing <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um, I guess I'll, I'll do kind of so I came across that uh, serve that uh, what do you call it uh, the the masterclass programs Yes. Where you can kind of like watch different, you know, masterclass episodes or series from different, you know, influential individuals. Yeah,
0: it's so cool. Because at first they started out with like just like acting, filmmaking. Now they do like how to play tennis, how to like ice skate, how to uh, cook. It's so cool. Well,
1: and that's one of the reasons why, you know, I love kind of always learning about, you know, film and learning about filmmaking and learning about acting. But I, I never am really one that will seek out a sort of, you know, put together program like that right off the bat. I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of more sort of some likes to sort of learn experientially, I guess. No, but totally. um, but when I started seeing there were so many different varieties, I don't know about you, but like I love gathering knowledge or perspectives on the film industry through the lens of like other people's stories that don't even relate to the film industry. If that makes sense.
0: Absolutely.
1: Because I feel like I mean everything's sort of interconnected, especially when it comes to you know storytelling and movie making. And so the guys, the guy whose masterclass I came across, he's this incredible, uh, you know, National Geographic photographer named Jimmy Chin, and okay. he's also one of the two directors responsible for that movie Free Solo that won the Oscar. Uh, I guess it was last year What's or it, year before last. The, the one, one about the guy that climbed the mountain yeah. without any ropes and so i have the mountain i mean the, the movie about the guy climbing the mountain totally but you
0: own the whole mountain now oh, the
1: mountain fascinated me too that's why <laughs> <laughs> and um and the sound i'm like listening to this guy's story and it was amazing because though he sort of is in the film industry now because of that film he wasn't before he was kind of just like an adventure photographer and um when he was telling his story on the masterclass, I was like, this is so fascinating because it reminded me of kind of like stuff I've experienced, it reminded me of stuff you've experienced and just stories I've heard about from people in the film industry about taking like very unorthodox paths to wind up in the film industry. Um, And basically for him, he basically said that, you know after he graduated college, his, his parents, you know expected the usual, they were like a lawyer, doctor, or you know, Uh, scientists like those are your those are your choices and he He was was like like, no I
0: want to climb stuff (laughs) I'm in a tree and literally (laughs) he
1: told his parents like well I'm gonna go climb and just kind of get it out of my system for a year I'm I'm gonna go climb I'm gonna go ski I'm just gonna go like live out of my car and just get it out of my system and then I'll go join the real world and so basically his parents were like absolutely not and he's like well too bad I have to get it out of my system before I go and do whatever you guys want me to do so I'm going so he goes out to Yosemite and he started and he climbs and skis and whatever for a year works all these random jobs just to sort of get him by from one climbing excursion to the next literally he's living out of his car and he wow. goes you know one year turned into two two turned into three and eventually he goes i was living out of my car and climbing in yosemite for seven years What? and what? now he is like a world famous photographer but he said he got into photography totally by accident and he said the way it happened is a friend of his was trying to be a professional photographer and lent him his camera just for like a weekend and showed him how to use it just for fun. Like, just say like, dude, look at my camera here, go try this out. Yeah. And so Jimmy Jimmy takes the camera, takes one photo, you know, gives it to his friend. He's like, thanks man, that was, that was a fun weekend, uh, see ya. His friend goes and tries to sell all these pictures he's taking and someone only buys one picture from this guy and it was the picture that Jimmy took. <laughs>
0: Oh my and so, gosh. And so, so they're so no Jimmy, longer friends. He's like, <laughs> yeah.
1: And so Jimmy got, Jimmy got $500 for the picture. And Jimmy was like, and he, and he said in the masterclass, he's like, this wasn't about art. This wasn't about like the love of photography. He literally said, if I can take a picture every month and sell it, I can climb for the rest of my life.
0: <laughs> and I so,
1: but it's fascinating because a purely, you know, kind of coincidental alignment led to a lifelong passion. And now he lives and breathes, you know, photography and this sort of mountain terrain filmmaking and stuff like that. But the really cool thing I found was he, he eventually went to go meet this, you know, guy that he admired, this photographer that he really admired. And he literally tracked him down and like literally met him in person. And all the guy said was, here's a picture of a couple of mountains in Pakistan. If you're really into this, here's your objectives, go climb those and take some pictures. It like, didn't really give Jimmy anything other than that. And so Jimmy understand. went, no, it's okay. <laughs> and so Jimmy went and literally scraped together the funds for this climb in Pakistan by himself. You know, there was no press following him. There was no news about it. He was literally just kind of doing this in obscurity. And so he went. he went and climbed these mountains, you know, took some pictures, the pictures got in a couple of outdoor magazines. And then a couple of weeks later, this mentor that he had tracked down like a couple of years ago called him up and said, Hey, I saw those pictures you took. I can't believe you actually went, you know, we're about to go on this expedition. And one of our guys just had to drop off. Do you know anything about filmmaking? Can you come along with us? And Jimmy was like, I know cameras, but I know nothing about filmmaking. he's like, it's fine, man, just come on.
0: And I would so have totally lied in that situation and be like, Film, like, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, I can do it's, that." Yeah, and so Jimmy goes it's on just this like expedition,
1: <laughs> and so Jimmy goes on the expedition, and this was really kind of the start of his whole kind of career in that high-level adventure photography, you know, mountaineering community. The whole reason I brought it up is because he said. The most important takeaway from that story, though, because he says it's so easy for people to focus on where I am now, what I'm doing now, you know, the stuff I get to do, the people I get to hang out with, the places I get to go. But he's like, everyone keeps missing the most important part of the story, which is he's like, if I would have been given that opportunity by my mentor to go climb with him and these guys, I would have never been able to do it had I not spent seven years doing my due diligence in Yosemite with no one watching me no one taking my picture, no one interviewing me, just me literally working odds and ends jobs and climbing mountains in Yosemite. And he literally said, because of that, you know, one thing sort of waterfalls into another. And all of a sudden, it's like that quote where they say luck is preparation converging with opportunity. And I just found that such a beautiful sort of metaphor for a lot of people's journey in the film industry, where it's like, you might be doing these sort of like odds and ends and strange jobs and sort of working in obscurity, but there's this kind of underlying love that drives you through it all. And you build up this sort of years of due diligence and just sheer experience around people with storytelling and movie making and sets and production. And eventually, you know, these certain opportunities come through and you can take them and succeed at them because you had those years of just consistency behind you. And the reason I brought it up to you is because I remember when you were telling me your story, you brought up all this stuff about like your, your time working at the grocery store and your time just kind of working in Alabama and these guys that kind of supported you along the way and were always asking you how your career was. And then, you know, these certain opportunities come along and you have those days and months and years of just steady consistency. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, like I can do this. Like I'm ready. And then you do it and because of all that time you were able to do that not because you were always jumping to the next thing the next thing the next thing you know what i mean
0: dude absolutely i feel like everything that you just said kind of like summarizes i don't know if you're familiar with the book outliers by malcolm Gladwell. i've heard of it it's a, you should go read it go read it right away it's so inspiring and it's really cool he kind of breaks down why certain people are uh, successful in their lives and one of the things uh, he, like, does the Beatles and then Bill Gates and some, like, other people that oh, wow. I wasn't even aware of. But what what they all had in common was that they put at least 10,000 hours yes. into yeah, their yeah. craft. And so that's what made them just a huge hit or so well known yeah. in their uh, whatever uh, job they were doing at the time. Uh, but, like, one of the cool things I didn't know about the Beatles was that they would play, I think, like – All night long, like in these, like, wow, dirty, you know, unpopular clubs. And they would just Mm. play all night long, their own stuff, covers, all night long. They would do that, like, throughout the entire week. And then just because they wanted it so badly, they weren't just like, all right, you know, let's go play like an hour at, you know, this bar. They were like, we just want to play anywhere because that gives us practice in front of people. Definitely. And like that book um was really inspiring to read because it was just like listen, like no one no what you want, no one knows. Meaning yeah. like if I if I was like, man, I'm this really great actor, how come I'm not getting work? It's like, well, no one knows that unless like you put in the work yeah no one's just gonna call you up like steven spielberg isn't just gonna call me up one day and just be like hey sample like let's make a movie it's like no i have to like you know make connections mm. and like seeing other and, stuff so he and can
1: you, and you, well you bring up a fascinating point because what you just said also ties into kind of the current trend of you know these sort of people that get thrust into the spotlight out of nowhere and it's so easy to get you know just totally zoned in on these people who get these roles out of nowhere or get these crazy opportunities out of nowhere. And they get all this kind of attention and all this craziness and all this stuff. But it's like, do you want a burst of fame or do you want longevity in a career? And that's what I've always found a fascination with is this, there's so much obsession with the sort of the, you know, the moment of just being put in the spotlight like that and being given that opportunity but so many people i feel like are given those moments and they don't have the preparation to back it up and sure they might get the fame they might get you know the attention and all the sort of focus on them for however long but i would be hard pressed to find many people who were thrust into the spotlight like that and ended up having a very steady consistent career
0: yeah, like there's I feel like there's two different like categories you can put that into uh, the oh, like how come these people are just getting more like one or what's the saying? Uh, overnight success. I feel like there's yeah. two versions of overnight success. One of them is, wait, why is this guy getting work all of a sudden? I've never heard of him. Well, that's because he's done a 100 student films or short films or whatever that people said. Now totally. to he gets his shot or you have someone like Jacob who never acted before and got a chance to go audition for Mud and he booked it mm-hmm. and you could look at that and he could have been in the position to be like well okay that was cool now I'm going to do other stuff or whatever or all right I'm going to try to be and he even said in that podcast like he didn't work for a year but he wasn't just sitting there waiting he was trying to figure things out he Definitely. got like a manager and he asked like all the people around him like what he should do like like kind of what you were saying you see sometimes i even watch movies and i'm like man this guy gave or this this guy or woman gave a really great performance how come they haven't worked on anything else and it's because they just didn't have the work ethic because they thought oh i've done this one thing now everyone's gonna come swarming at me when in reality that's so rare for that to happen so like what you're saying yeah i would much prefer longevity than a burst of fame totally how would they say that Well, And
1: and like you said, it's like the two versions of overnight success. You have the overnight success that is unintentional and just comes out of nowhere for someone. And then, then you have the offshoots where you have someone like Jacob who takes that and is like, okay, now I'm going to go build up the foundation to supplement this blessing that I've just been given. And then you have other people who are like, Oh man, I'm just going to ride this way. And then all of a sudden you realize that it's the most important parts of your career are not the moments when you get the thing, it's the moments when you're building up to it and the process that you go through to get to whatever that thing is. Because there's always gonna be a new thing, like there's always gonna be the next thing, there's always gonna be the next role, the next big film, the next big something. But the one consistent thing is how are you gonna conduct yourself in between those things and during them? And, you know, back to like the Jimmy Chin example, he was given this great opportunity by his mentor to go climbing with these superstar, you know, rock climbers and photographers. Jimmy didn't know anything about filmmaking, but he had the foundation and all the other areas that he could handle himself on that expedition and then learn everything else he needed to learn on site. And that's the thing, one thing wasn't lacking the other. He had what he needed foundationally and then everything else the other guys could kind of teach him as mentors. And it's kind of this meeting of two sort of forces at play.
0: Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, um, one of my favorite actors uh, is Ryan Gosling. And um, he could have easily been, oh yeah, he was like on Disney Channel, or not Disney Channel, <laughs> but I guess, well, I guess the old version of Disney Channel, uh, you know, cause he was part of the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse yeah um and so like he could easily be like one of those like kids who just like oh they disappeared or they went and did something else because maybe they didn't want to do it or maybe because they didn't know how to do it but um yeah what's really cool is he had a very very small role and remember the titans where he plays the cornerback and he only really has a couple lines in that movie but um wh- what i found really i watched this interview on instagram that like popped up in my recommended and it was uh ethan i think you say his last name suppley he's the bigger guy and he was in my, he was on my name is earl and he's been in some other movies but um, one of the the interview was like so who was like the hardest worker on set yeah and he was like oh without a doubt ryan Gosling." and the guy was like ryan, really he's barely in that movie and he's like but the thing about him is he took it so seriously and he knew that not only was it like a role, but it could be a step to something else. But at the same time, he was oh, always in the absolutely. moment and he always, he was always working on his lines and he was always trying to improve the character because easily he could have just come in there and been like, Oh, well, this is an easy role. I only have a couple lines, but like every single day he was working. And then that's why, you know, he's been nominated several times and has worked with so many great directors because like mm-hmm. he really puts the work in. Yeah. And um of course you know the you know rest is also a, an important part of work but you really kind of have to uh put in like i said before like Malcolm Gladwell said put in your 10,000 hours yeah. and like obviously the uh what what is the mountain climber's name? Jimmy Chin. Jimmy Chin, thank you. Jimmy Chin did that without even realizing it but that's so cool that he goes back and looks at it, it's like wow like i put 7 years yeah. otherwise i wouldn't have gotten so that's really cool.
1: But everything you're saying, he said too, or he's like, you know, I didn't step into photography, is what he was saying, you know, as an art form. I stepped into it out of necessity Mm. because I wanted something else. And this is also very similar to people that go into the film industry. You know, they go in for one thing and they do something else out of necessity. And all of a sudden, the necessity becomes the passion. And they're like, oh my gosh, I love what I'm doing now. And one of the things he said, because he's like, you know, I put in those hours. I put in those ten thousand hours of my camera. I was filming. I, I was shooting. I was taking images. I was climbing every day. But he's like, the trick is, if you're really involved and you're really passionate, like your Ryan Gosling example. You know, you're putting in these hours, but it, it doesn't really feel like a like a like a like a a burden. You know, it it, it feels like something that you just kind of do. You you just kind of have to do it, or you just want to do it. Like I feel like you and I, you and I are probably passively taking in knowledge about the film industry every day for hours and hours at a yeah. time through any means and that could be whether you know like I feel like you and I operate very similarly We're like we'll just be driving around town or like are like walking through the store and you'll just see a picture or you'll see a person or you'll you'll see you know some sort of source of information and your mind will instantly start connecting it to knowledge and thought processes about the film industry which only just trains your mind even more. And so it's like those 10,000 hours, they can be physical, but they can also be like intangible stuff. It's just that consistent living in that headspace of constant refinement. Like you're never just green to go and perfect. You're always fine tuning, refining, connecting, fusing, searching, like it's always on.
0: That's one of the things, uh, and you you and I have talked about this privately is we both enjoy writing. And uh, that's one of the things I really love about writing is that writing isn't just sitting down and like actually doing like typing or writing with, you yeah. <laughs> play, but writing is also in the car or at the grocery store, like constantly. Yeah. So that's really cool that you said that. Cause I don't think I've ever vocalized that before, but that's so true. Um, I love that, man. Um, well, you said
1: the thing about the rest part, you mentioned rest being a part of the 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm and rest doesn't have to be sleeping rest can just be time away from the actual physical act that is involved in you know whatever your thing is rest is just the idea of giving your you know subconscious time to just work with it and think about it and just fuse it together and all this stuff like the jimmy chin example you know i'm sure that spending all that time alone in yosemite You have a lot of time to just think about stuff and a lot of time to refine things and fine tune things. And then, you know, when when the sort of convergence of an opportunity comes, you can take it. Even if it feels daunting, you can take it. But then all those years that you spent, you know, refining in your own time is right there with you to back you up as you take that step forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And wait, is all of this in the documentary? This is all in the, the master class. Oh, in right the there. master class. Thank you. Sorry. 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 So I got to go check that out. That's, that's awesome, man. Um,
1: but I, I guess I just love his perspective because he was all about like being present during the process because, you know, he said that in his profession, more than anything, when you reach your goals, they're usually some of the craziest experiences you can ever have because in his line of profession, a goal is not a promotion or, you know, a bump up in a position on a set, a goal in his profession is skiing off of Mount Everest. A goal in his profession is like, you know, climbing up the sheer face of a cliff without a rope. It's like stuff like that. And he said he always noticed that once the initial adrenaline of those moments wear off, he found that they were really fleeting moments and he really would not feel satisfied and he would have to go distract himself with the next big thing. And he said it was only later in his career that he realized, the true best times of his career and professional life was when he allowed himself to be totally present during the process and the buildup to the goal if that makes sense rather no. than always always projecting forward to the goal itself you know it's like living in those 10,000 hours.
0: Dude absolutely and like I just kind of realized like this is Even though, like, we're doing this for fun, like, I love doing this podcast. It's also, it's also like kind of like a way to like, uh, get it gain another hour or so because absolutely, uh, absolutely. And we're not doing that just so we can say we did it, but just because, like, I love talking about this stuff, especially with you. I love talking about movies, I love talking about TV. And like, this is like honestly a form of rest for me. Um, just because, like, we, but you're so right. I mean, it it is part of those
1: 10,000 hours because we're both getting to, you know, refine and gain new perspectives and you know it, it all works in to he kept saying the words due diligence he said those seven years were my due diligence the time that I take now between expeditions that is my due diligence he said the due diligence never ends you just build off of consecutive levels of due diligence <laughs> if that makes sense
0: no no yeah that makes perfect sense and um, if you're listening and you haven't read that book and the know oh, you should go check it out because you you would absolutely I really need to. I it's really not even to. that long. It's maybe only like 200 pages, but um, all of Malcolm Gladwell's stuff is really good. And he actually does a podcast, I believe. That's pretty good. He's a very insightful person. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, do, you, uh, do you have any other questions about this subject that you wanted to like direct towards me? Because I know you said you had something.
1: Yeah, I guess my thing was like, I am sort of in the way that, you know, in with Jimmy Chin, he kind of discussed these actual examples of his time of like due diligence, because I feel like I I told you about mine during my first during our first podcast together. Mm -hmm. But I feel like on this one, I mean, I'd be curious to hear you dive a little bit deeper into like, how do you perceive your sort of years of due diligence before, you know, this sort of current era of your professional progress, sort of kind of started to pick up, you know, with these sort of roles with HBO show and then 12 Money Orphans or whatever it may be. Like, how would you sort of perceive that similar part? Like, your version of Jimmy chin seven years of yeah. Yosemite?
0: I think simply, I'm just better than everyone else. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. A little no.
1: bit of confidence doesn't
0: hurt either. No, 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 no. no, no. no that's arrogance. But uh, no, um, honestly, I think um, there's, you know, I also teach acting and I see a lot of students um come in and they instantly want to do Shakespeare. I want to do I want to play Hamlet. I want to do um you know the scene from a Tarantino film or you know I want to play uh this uh villain from a Scorsese movie or you know yeah. you know or all these other like big stuff and it's like whoa 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 hold on like sorry but no you gotta start with like a one liner and then just like build yourself up because mm-hmm. That's not how the greats did it. Like, you may even be extremely talented, but there's no way you're without any acting experience before yes. you're, you're going to go up and do a successfully. And so at first, honestly, like, that's how I started. I was like, man, I want to do uh, this Leonardo DiCaprio uh, ro- scene in my acting class. Totally. And um, I did it, and I was just like, man, that was just, like, not good. And it's because I was, think I was just copying Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> so, like, I kind of had to step outside and be like, okay, I need to start from yeah. square one and like take steps so really and what i like to tell my acting class is like there i guess it is possible but if you want to make acting on in movies and film like super easy if you want to make one-liner super easy or even um um like my role in 12 mighty orphans like I'm not a lead character, but I'm there most of the time. I get some lines, yeah. but like I don't have any soliloquies I'm giving out or anything. But <laughs> it could still be a very challenging role because Chicken's a very different character. He stands differently. He talks differently. He moves differently. And that's not something that you can just go into um, without any preparation. And so, you know, you start doing, and this is how I did it, you know, you start doing the easy stuff first and mastering the easy stuff. Then you do the kind of, the next thing and you master that and then you get a point eventually you then get a point uh, to a point where you're like all right, let me get my hands on so on some Eugene O'Neill or Tennessee Williams and really understanding, not only performing and acting well, but really understanding it from. Um, you know, understanding the themes of the play and really understanding what the screenwriter wrote the play for and what he's trying yeah. to tell the audience because if you can't do those really, really, really difficult things, then you're probably going to struggle with the easy stuff. And once yeah. you can really master those, that really hard stuff, like doing all this other stuff is just really easy. Totally. Um, but, um, you know, I've, I've been acting. So the first thing I ever did was extra work. I'll try to keep this brief. I did extra work on a film called Space Warriors, and that shot in the summer of 2012. And it's 2021. So I've been acting for nine years. Because after that, I, I don't really count that experience as acting, but I started taking acting classes after that because being an extra is not acting. It's just it's just not.
1: <laughs> but it's still it's still that exposure to the world that builds up your familiarity. Exactly.
0: So but I uh because after I did that, I was like, okay, I wanna do this, I wanna be on set all the time, but I wanna have lines, I want to have real you know, I wanna, I wanna have a real role because being an extra, honestly, I and you know some people will, may get offended to this, but like being an extra, you're honestly just kind of a prop. And you know Hitchcock said that, and I think a lot of people get a, you know it's like well you know they're people blah blah. It's just like yeah I know, but they just need to be blurs in the background. And that's all I was. But um, so I re- I wanted to start taking acting classes, and um, acting classes really all just about learning how to fail. Um, really, just like anything in life, learning how to fail, meaning okay, I failed. How do I then, you know, not do that next time? Uh, so, yeah. you know, I'm still, I'm still definitely in my journey of, um, you know, cause I'm not, I'm not a full-time actor yet. Um, and COVID especially did not help. And I yeah. know a lot of actors that, you know, that it did the same thing to them, but, um, it's really just putting in work every single day, like you said, like just absorbing as much information as you can on any given day, but I think it's really easy for me to do that just because I love it so much. Like, yeah. I, I honestly believe that God put me on this earth to do this. And it's like, honestly, kind of a scary thing as well, because sometimes if I'm being just transparent, sometimes I get really frightened because I have nothing to fall back on because I i don't like anything else. <laughs> yeah like sometimes you know they ask actors like oh what would you do if you like weren't an actor and they're like oh i would you know go be a librarian or i'd go i'd want to be an engineer yeah and i'm just like it's kind of like all or nothing honestly yeah besides doing this i guess but this is because honestly you can make a living doing podcasts but um this is really, this doesn't really feel like a job. And now just acting, really. I just want yeah. to do a job where nothing feels like work, honestly, because every, every, everything else feels, I know there's a very long-winded answer, but I really love to hear myself talk, if you <laughs> haven't noticed, Noah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's why, that's why we do podcasts.
0: <laughs> oh, exactly.
1: <laughs> what better place? Um, now I did. one of the things you said in there, when you're kind of with the transparency, then not to, you know, make my entire section of this podcast about, you know, Jimmy Chin, but I was just really impacted by this masterclass. It's like, dude, get over (laughs)
0: him. (laughs) Move on.
1: In the very first episode, he said something very similar to you, where he said, you know, nothing in sort of the, you know, quote unquote real world worked for me. I just did not fit with it. It just didn't, it just wasn't me. And he said, you know, everybody wanted that of me, but he said, I just genuinely could not perceive myself in those shoes of people that were telling me to do that stuff Absolutely. and you know that's why that's that's why i say he just kind of like broke off and just went and just lived on his own in yosemite basically and um and, you know he said that there's a lot of times where you know there's this kind of ebbing and flowing of like one day you really feel that strength of the direction you're in uh-huh. and then the next day you're like i have no idea what i'm doing exactly and, and, yeah. you know, it's just like on and off and you know the thing he just said is you know that consistency every day even on the smallest level of literally just going outside for him and just clicking the button on his camera you know going outside and just putting you know uh you know putting a rope up on the mountain like just the most simple actions you just said it's those tiny little steps that even if there's one day where you know nothing really happens and nothing really goes on on a larger sort of more you know like I guess you could say like spiritual or the religious or universal level, those little tiny actions are all adding up. Even if you can't see where they're adding up to just yet
0: can i just say how hilarious it is that like we're talking about all this deep stuff and it initially started because some boy was like i like to climb stuff
1: like, <laughs> it really is like, isn't that amazing like, no i mean and like, he, what? well that's why i laughed so hard when he said uh-huh. i didn't like the thing he is known around the world for he's like i'll have everyone know front and center i did not join photography because i thought it was a beautiful expression of art or because it was some meaningful soulful experience he's like I started taking pictures because I needed money to climb walls. <laughs> and like, oh. that's literally what he said was the start of his like career. And now like the only thing people ask him about is photography and it is like his lifeblood. But he started it as literally just like I need money to climb, so I'm just going to take some pictures.
0: He took a like, oh. class on climbing. Like <laughs> just imagine how awkward that class just like no like they yeah. don't go outside or anything. They do yeah. it in like the same sound state. So he's just like this is how you climb a chair. Yeah. This is how you climb the stairs. Yeah. (laughs) What's
1: so what's so cool is he said, you know, even though my sort of whole thing is sort of taken this unforeseen detour into photography, he's like, you know, some people might be like, so then why do you spend all those years climbing if you just became a photographer? And he's like, but you guys don't understand. My job requires me to be an incredible climber first and a great photographer second. And so he said, you know, and that goes for a lot of people in the film industry. I don't care what industry you're in you could start on one path that you really believe in, and it could take a detour into something that you feel you just have to do out of necessity. And then all of a sudden, the two of them will kind of loop back around and join into something that fuses both of them. So it's like, you know, he's a photographer by trade, but he had to start climbing in order to be safe on his expeditions that allow him to get his pictures. And it's like, you know, with you, like I'll let you translate it in your own terms, but it's like all these different little, you know, routes you take, somehow seem to kind of re merge together to like propel you
0: along. So, audience, what Noah is trying to say, if you're listening right now, I want you to stop what you're doing. If you're in the car, pull over. If you're inside, I want you to go <laughs> outside and I want you to, so the first thing you see, I want you to start climbing it. Okay. <laughs> Just start climbing it. I don't care if it's legal or illegal. Start climbing it. Like if Just it's a water it. tower, like don't think about it. Great, like start climbing it like little Arnie does. Just start climbing I'm gonna do that right now actually it really did it made me want to
1: go like climb anything in sight because I'm like he's I'm like I'm so inspired by this man I need to go climb something
0: dude wait are you does he um as you can see I have the poster uh Disney's Tarzan behind me can he um can he climb like Tarzan can he like surf like trees with his bare feet
1: I I wouldn't put it past him
0: dude i always like wanted to do that as like a child and now whenever i watch that movie i just like cringe at like whenever he's doing that because just imagine his feet just <laughs> just burning uh i know yeah. our topic. i know we've already been running for i think about 30 minutes now because this is more this is these are short segments with noah winter um but uh is there anything else you want to talk about or are you are you good to end the podcast there friendo i feel like we've covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time it's a very beautiful no time. kidding
1: i feel like we've been talking for like hours in a good way not in like a long gone
0: hour. <laughs> all right sometimes we're on the phone you know i'm just kidding <laughs> no yeah we'll we'll, be, we'll talk for like three hours um in reality i just kind of put my phone down and then i walk like i'll leave the apartment i'll come back up but like, man he's still talking a while <laughs> <laughs> I, do the same, I, do the, I do the same thing to you i literally mail my phone to a
1: different house and then i
0: <laughs> and then, I'm then i, I and i'm just still i'm just still talking about lawrence of arabia i'm like Man. i'll
1: start i'll start the call at the store put it in the mailbox address to me and then i'll drive to my house it'll show up a couple of days later and you're still talking <laughs>
0: i'm still talking <laughs> <laughs> oh, my hey well uh, uh let's let's end it right there um and then uh please tell me i was recording
1: oh my god oh my god i got really scared
0: because you know how we did i legit almost had a heart attack because you know how we did we had or the first one crashed
1: yeah the first one i was like I,
0: i was like i don't remember hitting record on the second one but i did so i'm gonna stop recording now